Three, two, one. Georgie, welcome back. Beautiful, beautiful weekend of football. Uh, match week two, Premier League. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? It doesn't really matter. I think we should start with Chelsea and Tottenham yeah. because that was the, the big game over the weekend with all the controversy. I didn't watch the game. Coach Javi was on vacation. All right, I went to Niagara Falls, got a little family time in. But I did watch the highlights, and I did see everything going down on Twitter and everything. Mm -hmm. So walk me through walk me through your thoughts on the game, Georgie. Chelsea got robbed. Two goals. To, for me, Spurs are never, obviously. The first one was Kai Havertz got hurt, uh, fouled. It wasn't called. So that should. That was in, and that was in the same play as the goal, right? Yeah. So they could have brought that one back. Yeah, Vieira looked at it, and they decided not to. That was a foul. Yeah. I mean, clear fall. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what went on there. And then my boy Cucurella got his hair pulled. <laughs> Georgie's doppelganger. Yeah, his twin. And um, yeah, I mean, but see that one was that one. They only reviewed it for the red card, mm -hmm. but they didn't review it for a foul because it wasn't a goal during that play. But um, the the problem that everybody's upset about, if you're a Chelsea fan, is that it led to the it led to the goal, which was on the following play right after. Yeah, and. Um, I don't know, Vieira needs to fix something or they need to change I don't I don't know what they have to do, but something needs to change to where it's not I mean we talked about it, where it's not clear and obvious. Because clear and obvious to me could be something completely different. It's a lot of gray area there. Yeah. So the Havertz foul, Cucurella, that should have been I mean, you could say that's a red card. Because why yeah, are you That's like, what everybody said. It's a red card yeah. because it's not I mean, he literally just pulled his hair down. Yeah, it's not like you're pushing the guy away yeah. you like you're doing the motion of grabbing and pulling it's yeah. not so it's pretty much putting your hand to the face in a corner like you can't do that well pulling hair is allowed headbutts are not allowed as your boy darwin <laughs> nunez saw got that red yeah. card we'll talk we'll get into that in yeah. a little bit because i know this uh, this is a touchy subject for georgie <laughs> all right because it was hasn't been a good first couple of weeks but back to the chelsea and tottenham game so it ends up 2-2 what do you think about your boy Conte posting on Instagram afterwards? That's that's some funny stuff to be <laughs> honest. But like, so did you did you see the two the two times they got into it? Yeah, at the, okay. the at the beginning, um, it was like what was it second goal or first goal? One of the one of the goals yeah, where the he goals. they like they like chest chest bumped each other. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> I was watching the game. It live, almost looks man. like they're celebrating together until they yeah. get mad at each other. But I didn't know. I want to know how it all started because yeah. it literally they just like the TV, they just put them both on the screen and they're like chest bumping each other. So like, what what's going on? But I assume it's, I don't know. I don't know what goal it, it was. I think it was after Spurs equalized. Yeah. And I think that's when he was like Thomas Tuchel was like, yo, that was a foul. Like. Well, I mean, they're always going to get pissed off at each other because one of them is going to be arguing with the refs the whole mm -hmm. game, and then the other one's going to be arguing at him for arguing with the refs. Tensions are high, and obviously it's a very important game, but because of all of the controversy, of course, they're not going to be happy with each other. They're not going to be like, yeah, you know, so so they got mad at each other. They chest bumped each other, which was weird. <laughs> this is really weird. They got in each other's faces. And then Tuchel does the <laughs> runs down the does the a Jose Mourinho yeah. celebration like runs down the touchline in front of Conte when they scored the second goal. Yeah, um, he thought I mean, which we th which he thought was the winner. Yeah, and then obviously Spurs equalized, and then the handshake in the end. Yeah. It's like it was weird because so, like I don't even know. Like he just said, "Look me 
when he you said shake the, my hand, yeah. I mean in the That's eye. the hand gesture that he said that he yeah. had. And I you well, wouldn't let go of the handshake. Well, obviously, uh, it looks like by the looks of it, it looks like Tukul just shook his hand very hard. Yeah. <laughs> and like really squeezed his hand. So Conte gets upset and then Tukul like grabs him and tells him, Look me in the eye. Drama, but all very good entertainment for fans worldwide. No, it was it was good and like the the game was really good. I th- I mean I, I thought Chelsea dom- completely dominated Spurs. It wasn't even like I yeah. was surprised. I'm very surprised by that. And um, b- just because I thought Spurs overall going to the season will be the better of the two. It seemed like Chelsea controlled most of the game, more chances. They were just like yeah, completely dominating Spurs, but but the referees played a big part in it and yeah. Tuchel afterwards said, he's like, I can't coach the next game, but the referee can referee the next game. Like, how is that fair? And he has a point. Like, there needs to be some repercussion for... There needs to be some accountability for the referees. However, it's tough because you're walking, like, a really dangerous area where you... Because a lot of of managers have said, why don't the referees come do a post-match press conference so that they can explain their Mm -hmm. decisions and stuff. But here's the problem, though. You're never going to have a good referee because no matter what, they're always 50% wrong, at least. Yeah. Right? Even if it is a foul, players are going to be in their face and the coaches aren't going to agree. Conte said at the end in the press conference when they asked him about the, the hair pulling, mm-hmm. he was like, well, I didn't see it, but VAR looked at it and they made, you know, they made their decision, so that was the decision. However, if he would have been on the other side of that, he would have been, been furious. Yeah. So no matter what, the referees are going to be wrong technically by the, according to the, to the players yeah. and to the, to the team. So it's like... You can have them explain their decision, but I don't. I don't know if they should be have like a post match press conference. But I do think there should be a little bit more, maybe like a like a couple days after, like a weekend recap or something like that, mm-hmm. where they've gotten into they've they've managed to at least get into like a referee meeting, talk about their decisions, and then post something publicly to the fans so yeah. that they people can understand. And then that's where they can say either we got it wrong or we didn't get or we got it right or whatever and this is why. But the whole point of VAR was put Yeah, that's to, the problem. To get rid of controversy and like some fifty fifty decision that oh my guy you know, it was a foul and then they led to a goal. That was the whole entire point. And now we're in a situation where you have VAR they take about five to ten minutes to figure out what exactly the decision is. When people score a goal, when players score a goal, you're not like as excited anymore because like, oh, he might be offside. Oh, he might have fouled someone. It takes away from the emotion, and you still get it wrong. So, yeah, like it, you're taking away the emotion, which is a huge part of the game where everybody's happy, everyone's excited, and on top of that, you're still not getting it right. So, what's the whole point of VAR? Yeah. Well, the the, the problem with the VAR is that. The whole, like you said, the whole point is for it to be perfect. Yeah. For, us, for us to say there's no more, there's not going to be any more human error. So when, even if you had 99 of those calls be right and they, they manage the, the VAR is correct and they overturn the decision or they make the right decision, whatever. And then that 100th one is wrong. People are going to say, well, you can't put in a system that says that you're going to eliminate like the human error part of it. And then there's still errors the problem I, I agree with you is that the wording of the clear and obvious yeah. is like that's just a fancy term for saying that there's gray area in between yeah. and it just doesn't it doesn't work um and a lot of the most of the players have said that they don't like var because like you said if they score a goal and then they're like oh well we can't fully celebrate because we know it's going to be checked 
And then after the check is complete, you're already at the half waiting for the kickoff. There's no, yeah. there's no more emotion. There's no more celebration. It's However, does it outweigh the amount of bad decisions, though, that happen? That's the, that's the thing. Because really, it's... Does it outweigh the amount... Like, if there was no VAR, and a lot of those calls don't get overturned, is it still better to have VAR where VAR still makes a couple of mistakes, but it manages to overturn most of the decisions? Or do you just say, look, referees are human, and they make mistakes just like the players and the coaches. We have to allow for that. And if, the, if that changes the game, that changes the game. I like the goal line technology. I like VAR for offsides. VAR for fouls, it's a gray area. Because in the end of the day, it's not... VAR itself is not making a decision. It's somebody yeah. behind VAR making right. that decision anyway. So it's still a referee looking at it saying, this is a foul, it's not a foul. It couldn't get any more clear than Kai Havertz getting fouled. Yeah. And there was a guy, a referee, behind the screen, watching it over and over, every replay, every side... And he decided it's not. Yeah, but that, that's the problem, though. If you start saying, okay, well, we can use VAR for offside. Yeah. All right, but you can't use it for fouls. Now, right. when there's a foul, people are going to be like, well, we have VAR already in place, so why can't we check for the fouls anyway? Because that was a clear foul and he didn't call it. Like, yeah. in a situation, that was a clear foul and he didn't call it. I mean, you haven't. It's like, You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I'm just saying it's almost one of those things where they, they either have to have it for everything and review everything that can happen in that play that can change the decision of, the, of whatever happened. Or you don't have it at all. Or uh -huh. my suggestion, and it's it's impossible, but like the goal line technology, everyone's come to accept it. Yeah, it's because it's automatic. There's no delay anymore. Yeah. It goes on the watch, and yeah. then they've checked it. And so far, there hasn't been any any real situations yeah. where it's messed up. So that one's good. So everyone's accepted that one now. Where at first there was a little bit of controversy over the, those mm -hmm. as well. The VAR people haven't accepted yet. No. And so, like, the offsides, for example, if they managed to come up with a system that showed the offside in real time, like the goal line technology, yeah. people would accept that. Yeah. But you can't because they have to have a guy draw a line on the computer and then do the measurements specifically according to the, to the dimensions of the pitch or whatever, and then they make the decision. Yeah. But So that one, but I agree with that one. And, and that one, I don't know. Actually, I don't agree with that one because that one messes yeah. up, the, like, armpit. When yeah. they're like, oh, the armpit well, was offside. But and you're see, like, that's, dude, that's come not on. VAR. That's the rules. Like, right, right. Like if, if they took away, if they took away, but the because arms, of VAR though, it yeah, still puts it in controversy. Yeah, and also those lines, man. Those are like some sketchy. Line. Like the the line is never. Another problem I have with like with the let's say the offsides is, when you look at the screen, it's never a straight on picture. They never show you a right. straight on. It's always like at an angle. Well, yeah. So the, like us on the TV, we're like, uh, well, I don't know. This looks like it could be, it could be yeah. not. But then they draw the lines. It's like completely the opposite. Well, because they can't have, they, they, in order for you to be able to see it in line, you'd have to have a camera basically at every two, three well, yards. NFL does it. I don't know. Like the NFL, if, if whenever they're like short or whatever, they review it and there's a straight on and it shows if he touched, it doesn't. Like, if NFL can do it, why can't the Premier League? But, I mean, that's a whole different subject. But yeah, I, I don't mind the VR for offside as much because they draw the line and they tell me yes or no. And I have to agree with it. I, I just have to live with it because they have the lines. They I still it. don't like that. I think they need to change it because when they say the armpit was offside, I'm well, just like, come on. Well, they need to make the rule and say armpit cannot be offside. And then it's yeah, it just legs only or head or whatever it is. Any any decision in in the game, there's a lot of gray area. Even with the offsides, because it's like the armpit, and then it's like if it comes off a defender, well, 
was it an intentional pass or was it not an intentional pass and like should it be called off sides i think var the problem with var is that people who are in charge the business people who are in charge of making some of these decisions i feel like they care more about retiring saying that they did something to change the game and they had an influence on the game mm -hmm. rather than whether that makes the game better or not yeah and i don't think var is ready and i think they try to make it seem like VAR was going to be ready and everything but clearly it's not and there's a lot of problems and I think they're too ashamed to say you know what we just need to take it out it didn't work we're going to yeah. go back because they're going to feel like they're taking a step backwards mm -hmm. so I think they'd rather just live with the decisions that they make with the VAR I mean again VAR or not like goal line technology it's right like you said it's instant it's right away it's technology that tells you it's in or not it's not a human eye that has to yeah. go there and tell you VAR I can have a complete different opinion on what's a foul compared to you. And we can both say it is, it's not. Yeah. And some referees are like that as well. Not, everybody, not every referee calls the game the same way. So you're still getting the human error with VAR. So, I mean... You know what bothers me the most about VAR? Is the fact that there's a lot of them that can be reviewed on the field by the referee that they don't even take it to the review. Yeah. Where the referee's just listening to the guy and the guy makes a decision and you're like, that's... He should go and look at the screen because he's the yeah. one on the field. Yeah. He should go and look at the screen. And oftentimes they don't even go and look at the screen. And I'm guessing it's because they probably don't want to waste time or whatever it is or they feel comfortable in their decisions. But a lot of the times it's like, I can't believe they didn't, he didn't even at least go look yeah. at the screen to see if it was a, if he needs to, you know, he needs to make that decision. And, and also, I don't, I really don't understand why it takes such a long time. For example, the Kai Havertz foul, there was like 30 seconds in between. You literally, like that, you, the person, whoever's in the VR room, can start reviewing the play as it happens. You don't, like, why, right. why do you, why, why does it, like, another 30 seconds until the play's dead and then they start reviewing yeah, the footage like, and it, all that? It doesn't make sense to me. Why, yeah. why do you have to, what, like, why is the rule when the ball goes out of bounds, then you can review and you gotta hold well, it? Well, sometimes, sometimes it happens where if it's clear and the referee missed it, even if 20 seconds goes by, the referee will call it back when the VAR says. Yeah. So they do start reviewing it. But when you've had that much time, you think that they'd come to the right decision. Yeah. Now, wait five minutes and you still get it wrong. So. But the, the thing is, this, this season at least, what I've noticed so far is that the referees are not making as many calls. Yeah. So at some meeting in the offseason, the referees looked at a bunch of situations and they said, okay, we need to start letting the, the game flow a little bit because we're making way too many decisions yeah. too easy. So now... If it's not a clear foul, let it play. Like the game's a physical game, so now let's let it play a little bit, which puts the referees, and there's an adjustment period as well because they're like, okay, now we have to change our refereeing methods a little bit where a foul that they would have easily given, now they have to think twice and be like, okay, they don't want us to call that anymore. So now it puts them probably in a mindset of like, is that a foul? Where I normally would have called it, they're telling us not to call it, but that one seemed like there's a lot more gray yeah. area now as well. Mm -hmm. So that Kai Havertz one, I wonder if the referee was like, uh, you know what, they're telling us not to make it such easy calls anymore. Yeah. So that one, we'll let it go. Plus the VR can save the me problem. The problem is if it goes, if it ends up in a goal, which a lot of times it end, it ends up happening, it makes the foul look worse or the decision look worse. Yeah. If the ball goes out of bounds and then three minutes later nothing happens and then four minutes later they. they score a goal nobody's going to care about yeah, that anymore yeah. but it's the fact that because of that leading directly to a goal mm. that's a huge problem yeah and uh another thing i'm not back to the vr and offside i hate it when the referees see it's a clear offside they don't raise their flag 
The play goes on for 20 seconds. The guy sprints another 40 yards, clashes with the goalkeeper, and then they're like, oh, okay, it's offside. Well, they need, they need yeah. to scratch. Like, that leads, one, to many injuries that you don't even need to even take a chance on. Plus, like, these guys are doing sprints to get to a ball, and the ref is like, oh, yeah, whatever, offside. Right. Like, you can't do that. It, and the new rule it's supposed to be from this year is you can't let the play go on. But they're still doing it. Yeah, I think they say if it's close, if they're like not 100% sure, yeah. they have to let it go on. And if it's a clear offside, they call it. They're not going to yeah. wait. But I agree. And uh, that's probably a lot of goalkeepers are complaining about that one because they have to come out for a 50-50 yeah. ball. Typically, those offside plays happen with a long ball yeah. or a through ball where it's a 50-50 mm -hmm. ball between the striker and the goalkeeper. And if there's a clash and someone gets hurt when, it could, when they should have called it offsides five seconds earlier or whatever, then that becomes a problem as well. So, yeah, My boy Van Dyke last year. Well, two years ago, Everton with Pickford. They let the play go on for 30 oh, yeah. seconds, 20 seconds, whatever. And then towards ACL, boom. Well, there's a, here's the thing, though. If they fix one problem, yeah, it creates some, another problem. Yeah. So it's never going to be perfect. If they say, okay, now we're going to start calling offsides, and then someone scores, and then it's they weren't offsides, now people are going to be like, well, why did we change it? You shouldn't have changed it. Yeah. So there's always going to be problems. But it is an issue. When, for example, like podcasts and uh, pundits on TV are talking more about the refereeing than they're yeah. talking about the game yeah. and the plays and the tactics of the coaches and stuff. So, and it was a really good game, the Chelsea Spurs game. Like I, mean, like I said, Chelsea dominated, and I thought they played really well, and they deserved to win. But by the way, that and it overshadowed it. It also overshadows things like the Koulibaly goal. Yeah, that was like nice. we're not even like that yeah. wasn't even like the first thing when people talk about that game. Nobody's talking about Koulibaly. Yep. Everybody's talking about the referee. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's but it is what it is. We'll see what changes need to be made. But I wonder if, like, the, the FA or whatever makes an actual There's statement gonna... or something that says, like, okay, this is what happened and this is why it happened that way or whatever. But I feel like I get, I get it. They have to protect the referees because the referees are the neutral mm -hmm. party or whatever. So it's they have to protect to them. And they're individuals. So it's not like a whole team, mm -hmm. you know. But at the same time, they do have to hold them a little bit more accountable, I you feel like. To. I feel like they protect them too much. Yeah, I mean, you can't talk to them. Like, you can't do anything, after, especially after a game. Like, you see the VAR, you see it's a wrong decision. Just come on and say, okay, we made a mistake. Yeah. Well, go on. Everybody would agree and be, like, in favor of referees or their decisions if they just came out and held their hand, like, head up high and said, look, we messed up. <laughs> But that can't happen too often because if they, that no, happens too often, then it's like, no, you yeah. can't just keep messing like, up. I don't mind the occasional foul. Like everyone's going to get wrong or like right. something, whatever. But when it's like a clear and obvious, yep, which is what the wording is for VAR, clear and obvious mistake, and you just and don't decide call not to. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I don't know. They, something needs to change. All right, so moving on to the team that looks like they're going to win the Premier League this year, Arsenal, clearly. Another great yeah. performance. Really well, yeah. It's, We're uh, flying. We're yeah, flying. Gabriel Jesus' goal, the first one. Wow. I mean, there was a little deflection that took it over. Yeah, but still. But what a finish. He should have gotten his hat trick as well. Yeah. The guy had a couple other opportunities. Yeah. The only concern, it's out of nowhere, two random goals from Lester. Like, again, it's Typical like... But... The, the response right. was, was spot that's, on. That's the difference this yeah. year is the response is different. Typically, Arsenal starts off really well. We do some great things, and we're like, man, we're flying. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're in shambles. And here's what, happens in, here's what happens last season in this game. We score the own goal. 
and then we crumble and we score. We we let two two more goals go in, yeah. and then at the end of the game, you're like, this is an absolute joke. How does it come to that? The the thing that I saw that was different from this game versus in the past was as soon as that own goal went in, people started, uh, like, applauding and cheering for Salabo. Yeah, and like people started get like they were. Basically saying like it's okay, let's go, let's figure yeah. out, let's figure out for the next one. Next thing you know, Arsenal's back, and it's yeah. like, with, what was it? Both, both times Leicester scored, Arsenal scored within like two minutes, a minute and forty. And we never looked. Like we we might have lost it for like a a minute or two, but we never lost the handle on that game, and yeah. we always looked like we were the best team. Yeah. And I think that consistency was has always been Arsenal's problem. Is yeah. we do some really good things where you see some, and if you look at some of the best Premier League goals in history, or at least over the last two decades, there's a lot of Ars- really good Arsenal goals mm-hmm. where they're like passing the ball one touch, one touch, one yeah. touch, and they like dribble it in. So you see that happen at times. Yeah. But then there's also times where you're like, what is going on with this club? Mm-hmm. What is going on with this team? This season, I'm hoping it's a great start. I don't want to yeah. get too excited, yeah. but I'm hoping this is how it continues. Because if we can play like this against all the teams that are not the top, the big, the big six or yeah. the big five, whatever you want to call them, if we can play like this against all those teams, we're guaranteed Champions League. Yeah. And then it's about, yeah, we'll probably lose at some point to Manchester City or Liverpool, yeah. but we'll we'll manage to get a result against Tottenham, against Manchester United, and maybe we'll draw Man City or maybe we'll draw Liverpool or something mm-hmm. like that. So. I think the consistency is so far over the first two weeks is good. And that just builds to the confidence going, continuing the season. Because last season we started three straight defeats. Yeah. And it's like... It's hard to come back from that. It's hard to come back from that. Um, What I like about this Arsenal team is they're young, but they have a lot more experience now than a year or two ago. Now it's all the young guys coming, I don't want to say into their prime, but coming to their own with a lot more confidence. They're playing like to their own like limits and kind of doing their own thing it's not like they have so much pressure now it's like all right there's no pressure just go out and play it's a good group of players it's a good mix yeah. it's a good mix right now my player of the game martinelli that guy was ev- you talk about a wing or forward mm-hmm. whatever that guy worked his ass off the whole yep. entire game he's like, a good player the problem with him as well is that consistency is not his strong suit all the time so he has moments where he's like yeah this guy's yeah, he's doing really, really well. And then other times where he just he doesn't help us very much. So I'm hoping for a lot of these players, not just him, but Martinelli, uh, Saka, yeah. Odegaard, like a lot of these players, I'm hoping that, especially Xhaka, mm-hmm. for a lot of these guys, I'm hoping that they can be yeah. consistent. Because if they can be consistent and they play like they have been playing, yeah. like, yeah, Martinelli is going to be one of the top players in the Premier League if he yeah. keeps playing like that. Um, Saka will be as well. He's Saka's going to be... Uh, He's already. He's gonna get called up for the national team consistently. He's gonna be yeah. a starter, and he's very, very young. Him and Martinelli. What's up with your boy Shaka making those runs, man? I've never seen that before. Listen, the guys, he's, he's making those like, bo- he's playing a box to box midfielder, and he's making the runs. And it's like, wait, he's excited. Yeah. I think he's excited about the team that he's got. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the there's prom- a really good core, and I think your defense is sorted. Your midfield is, it looks really good so far. Obviously. It's all, it, it just got to keep everyone healthy. Yep. That's the, that's the key. But that's the key for anyone. Yeah. Anyone in the Premier League. Keep your yeah. best players yeah. healthy. Our roster, our bench is not that deep. No. That's the problem. Our bench is not really that deep. Um, so. That's right, so a good start. Um, good start. And young guys, they're hungry. They're, they're willing to run, willing to defend everyone as a team. Gabriel Jesus is playing out of this world, scoring goals for fun. Manchester United. 
Let's go straight into that one. What is going on? That's, that's uh, what is going on with your boy Ronaldo and Ten Hag? Absolutely terrible. Did you watch the game? Yep. I I mean, one those first they, those first 30, 35 minutes or whatever. It's like I the mean, worst. Yeah, the hell at the the hair made decent amount of mistakes. The hair like, made some mistakes, but let the ball through his hands. That's obviously yeah. uh, obvious error. But then why would you even play the ball to Ericsson? Listen, I've seen that ball be played in a lot of other teams like Manchester City and Barcelona. Yeah. And the guy just he get one touches it back to the to the to the center back. And they're out of it. I, I mean, I, like, why risk? Yes, it's probably not. It's not. It's not the safest of yeah. passes for sure. I think De Gea trusted Ericsson uh, enough Erickson to play him that ball. Try to play like. I don't think Ericsson actually thought De Gea was going to play him that ball, and that's no, the problem. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, I mean, I mean, whoever you want to blame on that one, but just the whole entire team, just it, the mood, the mentality, everything's off, completely off. So it's clear that they're not. They're not doing very well right now. And <laughs> it's not just on the field. That's the biggest thing is yeah. that, like, the problems that are happening off the field are clearly visible on the field. Yeah. So bad that uh, Ten Hag cancels the day off and makes them yeah. run the amount of distance the, the Brentford that covered Brentford more. covered more than Manchester United. Which is crazy. I Which, mean, first of all, you, like, and we've, we've been part of a professional yeah. environment. You never cancel a day off. Like, that is that, the player. You have to be professional. And you have to understand that the players are your employees, but they're not they're not like your slaves. Yeah. So if you ever were to do that, cancel a day off when it's already been scheduled, that's like a big it's a big problem. Everyone's pissed off. Because everyone's pissed off. Yeah. Because people have plan like people have plans and you gotta think like Ronaldo and those types of players, they have like managers who have a schedule for them set, right? Yeah. So they go off of their, their schedule, but I'm sure he had to cancel other things yeah. on that day. But not even that. Think about it. Ronaldo's thirty-seven. Do you think he showed up to that training session? Yeah. Do you think he was there? Yeah, hundred percent. I wonder if he. I wonder if he didn't show up. No. He, and they just kept it under under the. No, they were. I, if he didn't show, they would have leaked it on purpose just to get him out of the club. But like Ronaldo's thirty-seven, the guy ran. I mean, I I don't know how much he ran during the game, but to make him show up the next day, like what twelve hours later. 15 hours, like whatever it was, in the morning to make him run whatever. So they each co- so they each covered, what is it, like 8.9 miles or something like that. Did yeah. they each cover 8.9 miles? Is that what it was? It's, well, it's, well, Brentford cover, I, rem- I don't know, they said in kilometers, they cover like 13, 13 right. kilometers. I don't know what Manchester United did. So if they covered 10 kilometers, everybody on the team would have had to run three more kilometers. Right. So, so that's what I'm saying. So it was it was somewhere around I don't know, like eight or nine or something yeah. like miles, that's whatever. Insane. It was a lot. It was yeah. it was a because you obviously you're adding all of yeah. them individually. So I wonder, did he make them all run an extra eight or nine miles? That's a lot. That's a the lot. The day of, after a match. That's a lot. Like sports scientists, the sports scientists at Manchester United were probably like, "What yeah. are you doing?" Yeah. I mean, even if you had to run two miles, that's still a lot after a game and for an old older body that played. And I wonder if 80, it was, was it a recovery run? No, no chance. <laughs> or was it like, you better There's run no as fast as you can? no way he would have made them show up right. to a training session. Oh, don't worry, guys. Just, just recovery run. He, I mean, I understand what he's trying to do. He has to change the mentality. He has to make sure that they don't lose. And they don't go with the mentality like, oh, it's okay to lose. I understand that. But you're pissing players that are like you want. They're going to stay on this team. It's not like you can just get rid of these guys. Like they're going to yeah. be on this team now. And you have to deal with like their personalities, their egos, um, and 
okay, after the game, like, that was a shit game by mentioning everyone. But after the game, Gary Neville started, him and um, Jamie Redknapp got into it in a very heated debate. Because Gary Neville was blaming the owners. The Glazers, they have to go, like, you know, they're not investing into the team, blah, 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 blah. And Jamie Redknapp was like, look, like, they spent a lot of money. It's not like they're not giving you guys any money. And there's a whole debate. So then after on Twitter, I saw there was a whole, uh, a whole threat of mm-hmm. why the old Manchester United fans want the, the, the Glazers family to leave. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are saying they're making money off Manchester United and taking the money instead of investing back into the team. Whatever they make, they obviously keep, and they're taking more and more out of the club. They're not investing into the stadium, which is what Gary Neville said. The stadium used to be one of the best in the world. Now it's getting old. There's like cracks. Like they're not reinvesting yeah. the money, and making it the facility is good. Like, like Mission United used to be up here in, in that sense, and now they're just like slowly, mm-hmm. you know, going lower and lower. And they're just not. There's not as much care as they should be on the field, all the field, and all that stuff. And I completely understand. If I was a, if I was a Manchester United fan, I would want these guys out because obviously they don't care too much. But they've given every single manager a lot of money to work with as well. You can say that money is not coming out of their pocket and that, that money is like club made and the club is just like making the money and they're just putting it back in, which is fine. But like to say that you want owners out. You can't blame the owners for every single game, every single year. These guys are changing the manager, bringing yeah. new managers. They're bringing Ronaldo in. They're bringing new players in. They're spending money. There's Bob McGuire. They brought Ronaldo back. They Bruno Fernandes. Like, yeah. all these players, like Mar- uh, Martinez now, uh, the left back they just signed. They're putting money in. It's not like they're not investing money. Yeah, but I think, for me, I think the biggest problem, and and I think Gary Neville said this as well, is... The problem is as well with like the scouting department and the recruiting. Yeah. Like the recruiting has been terrible. Yeah. They've spent a lot of money on players that aren't good enough. Mm. And so they're saying, like, what are we doing? Because you see Manchester City, you see Chelsea, Tottenham, all these people investing the right amount of money in the right amount of players. Arsenal now as well. Yeah. And Manchester United. Falling behind. Falling behind. Yeah. So what's going on with like their scouting and the recruiting department that they can't get the right players or they can't get good enough players to come? You can blame it on the culture as much as you want, but if you keep bringing guys in who are not going to be able mm-hmm. to be good enough and change it, then that's the problem with your recruiting. And you and I both know from a professional standpoint, tactics are important. Don't get me wrong. But if you have better players than the other team, you're most likely going to win the game. Yeah. And so Manchester United just hasn't had good enough players to win a lot of these games. And, I mean, come on. I, I, we talked about this last time, but McTominay and Fred... Are your yeah. are your starting yeah. central midfielders like something has gone wrong there? But but that's the thing though. Like if you're if if you're a coach and you come into the team, where it was Mourinho, um, Van Gaal, like a few years ago, uh, Moyes, even like when it was right after Sir Alex, like it's not like they're not given money. So is it the managers that are buying terrible players? Is it? I think it's a lot no of Is there no communication? Is it? Is there like, what's, where's the gap? There's like something's missing in between. I think I think there's a lot of problems before you even get to the manager that need to be fixed. So these managers come in and they're like, basically they get to their their desk and they get there's like a bunch of problems already on the desk that they have yeah. to sort through. And I think for a lot of these managers, it's just been too much that they haven't yeah. been able to to do. 
So or to fix. So I think that's the that's the problem that a lot of things need to get fixed before they even think about the manager. And it's not just the manager, like yeah. you said, it's the ownership. Like I said, it's the recruiting department. And yeah, and then it all stems down to at the end the, the culture. That's what creates the culture of the club. And right now the culture is not not good. But I will say this. Ten Hag, he bought Martinez and brought two players that are his players. Mm-hmm. He brought them in for overall, I don't know, 80, 90 million. Like, that's that's a lot of... Those that's are, what you're going to do as a coach. Yeah, you're going to bring your own players. But, like, that that's... Oh, I mean, we're two games in, so let's... I, I don't want to say they're they're flopping. But I do not agree with Martinez as a center back. Yeah. I mean, you, you give me 80 million, I'm pretty sure you can find a good defensive mid. Casemiro, they're talking about it now. Like, there's rumors to take Casemiro, Pulisic potentially going there. Now, like, the rumor, after that game, now the yeah. rumors are starting where yeah. Manchester United is going to be linked to everyone at this yeah, point. Because, huh? I mean, they need they need somebody. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, is Pulisic, is Pulisic actually going to be better than Rashford? Is he going to be better Rashford than... Rashford hasn't been good lately. He, he hasn't been he good. He hasn't been good in a while, actually, to be fair. I mean, he, there's rumors of him going to PSG, and Ten Hag said, no, we want him here. He's well, PSG right. values him at half the price of what Manchester United value yeah. him. And PSG's like, we're not even going to get close to that figure if that's mm-hmm. what you guys really think he's worth. Yeah. Pulisic is, I think he's a, he's a good target because he's not getting playing time at Chelsea, so they're getting him in the yeah. right. It's not that he's not getting, he's not starting. Yeah, I mean, he, even he said he was complaining about playing time at Chelsea. For the quality of a player that he is, and every time he, and that's what uh, Tuchel said, he's like, the problem was when I had him at Dortmund, he was always a good player to come off the bench. Yeah. He's like, so unfortunately for him, like that's the way I look at him right yeah. now. But as a player at that level who's that young or who's right, maybe not that young anymore, but he's he's still young, but he's getting into his prime. Yeah. Like he's not just an up-and-coming player. He's World getting Cup's to his prime. He needs to play. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to make the World Cup roster regardless. Yeah, he will. Obviously, it's just because he's at Chelsea. It, like, But for him, yeah, he's got to play. Yeah. And but is he? I mean, I don't know. He might go to Manchester United and play every game, every minute. But I, you're not playing at Chelsea. You're gonna play. I don't know. It's a good. I think it's a good trade for him. Never. I think he needs to have a conversation with Tuchel and be like, all right, look, what's my role? Is this gonna be my role? Because if yeah. this is gonna be my role, I need to go somewhere else. And if his option is Manchester United, on the loan for a year, and it's see a, how it goes. and he does well, he's gonna he's gonna get starting. He's gonna get. The starting position. You think so, though? I mean, I think he, they, it, you have to start him. Yeah, if you're going to buy him, you're going to you have well, to start him. they're not. They're going to loan him. Or sorry, loan him, right. If, if, you're, if you're, yeah, fair enough. If you're bringing him in right you're now, gonna start him. he's going to be a You don't bring player. him on loan and then put him on the bench. You bring him on yeah. loan to play. And then maybe he's one of the pieces that starts helping them get results. They either buy him or he goes back to Chelsea. Yeah. But he gets playing time. It's a win-win situation for everyone. Because Chelsea's not worried about Manchester United. It's not no. like they're loaning them out yeah. to Manchester City or Tottenham yeah. or something like that. Yeah. They're not worried about Manchester United because they know they're not probably not going to be competing for Champions League or the, the Premier League. So Chelsea wouldn't be worried about him, but he'll be playing on a good team where he'll get some playing time. It's yeah. better than loaning him out to yeah, Spain, like, yeah, right? You want Premier League experience. So, so last week we talked about where Manchester United could potentially end up. I don't know what I, what, what did I even say. Like oh, we eight, said, like eight nine. or nine. We said like, eight or nine. It's me towards the bottom of the yep. first half of the table. Yep. I'm not if, changing mine. If they get rid of Ronaldo, if Ronaldo leaves, which they said he's free to leave if he yeah. finds a club now. 
Yeah, which was so not what changed. they were, which is not what they were saying a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, now I think they're just sick of the situation going on. Fair enough. If he leaves, Manchester United finishing the bottom half of the table. You think so? Yeah. If he leaves, they. they I'm getting they, closer they, to. There's no one on that team doesn't score twenty plus goals. I I don't know. I'm I'm getting closer to the side of Ronaldo's not as effective for Manchester United anymore. And I think maybe it might actually better to just let him go. I'm not saying Ronaldo's not good enough because I think yeah. I just think it's a bad fit for him now. Yeah. I, and you could have a really good player, like we talked about uh, Obama Yang at Arsenal, wasn't doing too too well. Probably a bad fit towards the end. He goes to Barcelona and starts scoring a bunch of goals at the beginning. And then he might go to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, now he might even go to Chelsea. But like Raheem Sterling as well. Or like Salah, Salah at Chelsea, right? Yeah. Salah wasn't a good fit for Chelsea, but then he goes to Liverpool and yeah. he's great. Ronaldo, I think he's battling that, where he might not be the greatest fit for Manchester United anymore, and also his age, where yeah. teams are saying like, well, he might not be a good fit for us anymore because of his age. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to get closer to that, where I think maybe just get just let Ronaldo go wherever he wants to go, and then maybe the club can rebuild a little. Because if you think about it this way, if Ronaldo's gone. A lot of the problems that Manchester United have in changing the culture yeah. are gone with him. Because now, because Ten Hag goes... Though? Are they? Yeah, because Ten Hag goes into the locker room right now and he says, ah, you guys are going to run nine miles because Brentford did. Ronaldo looks at you and is like, do you know who I am? Do, yeah. do you think I need to run? Like, do you really think Ronaldo was like, yes, coach, I'm going to run those well, nine miles? No. You know what I mean? So, like, you, you take him out and who's... What other personality in there is big enough... Oh, not or is big. No. So now Ten Hag can say, okay, now you guys are going to run nine miles or ten miles or whatever. Now you guys are going to run ten miles. And all of them are going to say, yes, coach. If Ronaldo mm -hmm. is there, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, those guys are like, if Ronaldo doesn't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But, I, again, where do you find those 20 goals? Well. I mean, you're not finding any goals now. But where do you, where do you find those goals? I don't know, man. Like, Pulisic is not going to score you 15. I think, I think he would. No. Pulisic is not going to score 15 goals. He's in front of goal. He's for his, the most his goal part, to minute ratio has got to be pretty good. He, he's fairly wasteful in front of goal for the amount of chances that he got. Assists and goals per minute. Yeah, it's got to be pretty good. Fair enough, you can say assist, but who is he going to assist to? Unless, obviously, again, a lot can happen in the transfer window. They yeah. might bring somebody in, but with the names there, Marko Arnautovic, like. Is that guy like you? Well, that one, away, they, I mean, that one and Rabiot are done yeah, now. Yeah, supposedly Rabiot doesn't want even like, well, the, the, the money. The, yeah, the, the salary, they're like, there's no chance. They said the deal's completely off unless he wants to change. First of all, that's what I'm talking about recruiting department. If the, those are your two targets for how you're going to yeah. fix your season, I would, I mean, you got to get rid of the whole recruiting yeah. and scouting department there, right? Like, that's, that's not good. I mean, I don't know those two players personally, like, whatever, but those two players are like, Known to be fairly bad apples in locker rooms as well. Arnautovic, West Ham was bad. Rabiot, he went to PSG. Now Juve, it's not working out. Like, yep. Like he's not. And you talk about Ronaldo leaving, and you want to replace Ronaldo with somebody that's less yeah. of a player than Ronaldo. But I think those are the wrong targets for sure. Yeah. So, so. that club shambles yeah, as all usual. Oh, it's. But a, do you think they go? Ronaldo in or Ronaldo out, do you think they still finish eighth best or ninth best? Eighth best. Okay. I'm going to say they're still going to be eight or nine regardless of whatever happens. They keep Ronaldo, eight or nine. They let Ronaldo go. 
Eight or nine. And I think that's because Ten Hag needs some more time. Like, you can't judge the yeah. guy based off of being there for a couple months, like a no. month or two. Like, you have to give him enough time to try and do his best to change the culture, let the transfer window close, and then from there actually start building his squad tactically and all that. Okay, so with Ronaldo, I think eighth, bust, seventh, eighth, maybe. Without Ronaldo, bottom half. And and I do agree. I think they need to stand by the manager, let let him be there for at least two years, let him change the culture if he can, and then you can judge him on that. Everybody wants the results right away, and everyone's quick to judge and all that. Like, he needs time. Everybody needs time. Like I think I think they need to hit the reset button. Yeah. And by that I mean I think Manchester United needs to communicate with the fans and say, look, we understand where we're at. We're in shambles right now. This is gonna this is gonna be a process of three to five years. So you guys you're just gonna have to bear with us for three to five years and we're gonna do our best in the time being. I mean, they're never gonna say this publicly. Yeah. But in the boardroom or in the in the board meetings when they're talking, they should talk to each other and say, like, this is this should be our new plan. Because right now they're probably saying like they're just trying to patch everything up right now. And they're saying, okay, uh, we get rid of Ronaldo, we get Arnautovic. That's how we patch it up. And like... Well, that's what they've tried. Cavani didn't work out. Yeah. So that's Ronaldo's, a, not, Ronaldo's worked out a lot better than a lot of people thought because he scored a lot of goals, but still clearly not working out. I think they need to look at their lineup and say, okay, this whole position, all three of these guys that are in this position, we need them gone within the next three to five years. Yeah. And we need to replace them with players who are this. And same thing for all the other positions. And say, okay... De Gea, for example. If we believe in him, he's going to be part of our long-term plan, but we need better players around him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So I think they just need to hit the reset button and know and and understand that it's going to take them three to five years and just leave these next two, three years as like um, just just try and finish as high on the table as you yeah. can, but we're thinking about the long-term. They need to bring somebody. I mean, yeah, I don't know. They They need players yeah. in. That are willing to players. put in the work and yeah. do better. And uh, does Maguire start or is he I'm telling you, I'm telling you man. Maguire, Luke Shaw, Fred, McTominay. These guys wouldn't start at Newcastle right now. They wouldn't start yeah. at Crystal Palace. I actually like Maguire Lester. I was a big fan of Maguire yeah. Lester. And then he went to Manchester. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I like a lot. I like Varane at Real Madrid. Yeah. Well, Varane should be playing. Like, I that's a whole. I don't know. Martinez we'll move on from Manchester United yeah. because that's we can go on for hours about them. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into it, Georgie, so we can get it out of the way. Rip the band-aid straight off. Liverpool, yeah, playing against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace playing a tactically tactically very good game. And yeah. the problem, the the thing is, I like I like tactics because it's like it's interesting to see how you can take a group that should not win or yeah. should not get a draw and get them to get a draw or get them get a get a win. The funny thing is. Liverpool cannot adjust their tactics for Crystal Palace. They cannot say, like, we're going to play like this because Crystal Palace plays like this. Liverpool's going to say, we're going to play the same style because it's the best style. And eventually, we're going to score a goal and we're going to win. Crystal Palace, on the other hand, has to say, we have to play with a back line of five. Mm -hmm. It's funny because they said that the lineup was like a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 or whatever. Really, the lineup was a back line of five. You don't call it a three. You call it a five because that's how they were the entire game. Yeah. Even if Liverpool knew that they were going to play that lineup the whole week, it's, they can't change. do anything about it. No, they can't. They can't be like, okay, well, let's let's play with a back five and then let them have the ball and then we'll yeah. go on the counter attack. Doesn't yeah. work that way. No. Yeah. But Crystal Palace can do it for the other way and it, and it works. Yeah. They held on, weathered the storm a little bit, and then 
counterattack. Yeah. And next thing you know, Liverpool's down one nil, and they have a red card because your boy Darwin Nunez yeah. couldn't keep his head. What do you think about? For, let's let's talk about that situation right there. What do you think, uh, Darwin Nunez? Yeah. I mean, he lost his school. He can't be doing that. I mean, you're gonna get pushed. You're gonna get shoved. They're gonna provoke you. It's. But I, I actually think in the long term, grand scheme of things, this is the best thing that could happen for Darwin Nunez. Right. I don't think he was one. Well, this is a different topic, but you. Well, I think. Jurgen Klopp's thoughts are about all this, but Nunes was not ready. Like, I, like he looked, yes, he looks dangerous against Manchester City when he came on. He looked amazing versus Fulham, but I don't think he's ready for a 90-minute Premier League performance. And he, even when he worked the first half, the first 20 minutes, he was there. He was, um, like, making those runs, getting, and you know, winning the ball and trying to get on, on like, a last touch. He had a few opportunities to score, didn't score. After that, he died down. He got tired. He couldn't just keep doing what he was doing, like pressing and doing like yeah. the normal runs in behind and all that. So I don't think he's fully ready, which is fair enough. Like, he needs but you guys, time. he doesn't even have Firmino, did you? No, he's injured. Yeah. So that so that's why he was forced to play. But I think now with this, he's gonna get three, five games, whatever he's gonna get. That's like three, four weeks out, unless there's a cup game in between somewhere uh, where it's Crabble or FA. I don't know if there's anything in between, but. He's gonna get a second preseason, mm-hmm. and Jurgen Klopp even like touched on this. He's gonna get him in the gym. He's gonna get him running more. He's gonna get him adjusted to the Premier League. And overall, in, if you look at Jurgen Klopp when he brings in players, he never likes to put them right out there on the field and let them play. Thiago, Fabinho, like Robertson, any of those players that he brought in, he, he took his time before he started them. He never just rushed them out. He, maybe they played 15 minutes here, didn't play the next game, 20 minutes here, maybe didn't play after. It, it took Fabinho four or five months before he even saw like consistent yeah. play time. So Jurgen Klopp doesn't like putting players right into like game time, like, All right, there you go, play. So ideally, in an ideal situation, you have Jota and Firmino, both are out here. But if you, you, ha- you have those two where Nunes can come in off the bench, 15, 20 minutes a game, Ease him into the style, ease him into the Premier League, and then he's gonna, you know, get off to a flying. Yeah. Like he's gonna start playing a lot better and all that. Not saying that he wasn't playing good in the games he came on, but he's not ready for a 90 minute game, I don't think. And I, I think Jurgen Klopp knew that, but there's just no other option. Even before the game, reporters said, Are you like, is Nunes ready? He's like, I don't, there's no other fit striker right. in Liverpool, so there's, I don't have an option. So I'm gonna play him and we're gonna see where he goes. And but again, back to the point. He should have never lost his school. He was frustrated. He wasn't. He was frustrated in the five ten minutes prior to that because the referees were not giving him the call. Again, they were letting go a little bit more. You know, the defenders were grabbing on him and pulling him and all that. He's not used to that, and that's what's going to happen in the Premier League. So you have to get used to it. If you want to be a good enough player or, or you know, a star player for Liverpool, you better get used to yeah. the defenders doing that. And he he got frustrated. Obviously, you're losing. Like. You can't be doing that. That's the right card. I'm actually, I'm actually, of course, you can't do that. Yes. And he gets a red card. And, and typically, so for some weird reason, that happens when you lose a man. Somehow, sometimes you end up playing better. Yeah. Like the crowd got, the crowd got the crowd fired, gets fired up, up. And all that. I think it's going to make him a better professional because he's going to realize that he can't lose his head in the future. Because I'm sure Jurgen Klopp told him yeah. afterwards. He's like, you know, you just ruined it for the team. Like, mm-hmm. like this is not good because maybe if you if he had been on the field and he stayed on the field, maybe they win 2-1. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Maybe they come back. Who knows? But I think he's going to grow up a little bit and he's going to have a, the experience of like, okay, I can't do that. I have to keep my cool and I have to just get get used to the fact that in the Premier League, this is what they're going to do to me. Yeah. However, this is what kind of bothers me. Uh, what was the guy's name that did, did this? Song? Anderson. Anderson? Yeah. I feel like... There needs to be some repercussions for him too, because you yeah. can't just push. Like I get it, just it's just a push or a shove. Yeah. But if you think about the severity of a push and a shove versus what Nunez did, Nunez wasn't gonna. He didn't hurt him. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. Like mm-hmm. he got in his face a little bit, but it's not like he like, actually it wasn't caused like any a blame. Like head it was. Yeah, it was more like they. He got in his face. Yeah, and, and then, he touched him. Yeah, and he, obviously he's a bit taller, so he kind of hit him. Right. What I mean, yeah. But like, there's a difference between that. And between like straight up just going in and headbutting someone. Yeah. Those are two different types. So, but you can push and you can shove someone off the yeah. play. Like he pushed him and he shoved him. Yeah. And then of course he comes back and he just puts his head in his face and he gets the red card. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of BS. He did get a yellow. Anderson did get a yellow for that. But I feel like if you look at the the severity of both of those things, they were the same. Just because yeah. one looks like a headbutt. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of BS because if I, that's the case, if I'm Anderson, I'm just pushing you and shoving you the, the whole game. Yeah. When I mean, the ref's not looking, yeah, right, and you just push and shove because VAR is not going to look at that. They're just going to push and shove or whatever. But then the guy gets, he turns around, he gets in his face because he stands his ground, and he doesn't actually headbutt him. Like yeah. he doesn't go in and like hurt the guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like that's BS because I don't know. I mean, you you can't lose your. I mean, yeah, you can't lose your cool. Yeah. I get it, it. It's a record. Like, but if that was against Liverpool, I'm saying record. So it, it is a record. But I do I do agree with you. Like there like you. You can't be a center back or whoever and start shoving and pushing people and then expect nothing to happen. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, he's, he's baiting him. Like, yeah, that's, that's what he wanted yeah. to do, and he got exactly yeah. what he wanted. Yeah. Which is, it helped them. It helped them get yeah. the draw. And Vieira is going to be very happy with the team's performance. Yeah. Yeah, park the bus. Park yeah. the bus, man. So a few things about this Liverpool game. Obviously, very frustrated. Two games, two draws. A lot. This game was a lot better than the first game against Fulham. There was absolutely no like. I don't even know how we scored two goals. Like yeah, towards the end we started to come back. We had more possession, whatnot. But I felt there was a lot more fire and like the guy, the, the players wanted a lot more this game. Yeah. So that's a positive. Another positive is there was plenty of cha- there's 24 shots for Liverpool and there's like seven or eight on target wasteful yes we can say it was wasteful but you're creating those chances Salah had two really good chances Nunes had two or three really good chances towards the end of the half yeah. where he trapped in and kicked it hit the crossbar or whatever well yeah the whoever the defender was got it yeah. right off his foot right yeah. at the end right oh yeah and then hit the post and then in the second half I think Salah played him through and he tried I don't know why he tried with his left foot he should just shot with his right and then asked for a handball so the, he's getting one he's getting those chances and Salah's getting chances. In the first half, he had one or two inside the box. James Milner, in the first two minutes, instead of kicking it with the left foot, like, yeah, like into the sky. it over the bar. He could yeah. literally just chipped it over the keeper. Whatever. There's ch- plenty of chances. So that's a positive as well. At some point, you have to think Liverpool are going to start scoring those. Yeah. My main problem, and, and this was what we talked about in the first episode, I think, uh, of the podcast, when we talked about Nunes coming in and how he's going to change Liverpool. Liverpool Liverpool play a certain way. When Nunes is on the field, they change completely. Whether you can say that's good well, or bad. Well, yeah, because they have to. Problem is, 
that when Darwin Nunes plays, Liverpool com completely change and played one specific way. When Firmino's on the field, what last year, when, when Mane and Salah were both on, Liverpool played their own way, but they also change it up. So when Firmino plays, he likes to come deep and come short to the ball and be the connected between Mane, Salah, and the midfield. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they also play the long ball in behind with Mane and Salah running behind. When Darwin plays, well, this last game, they like to go direct only. There's no, there's no connecting anything. It was literally just going behind, going behind, going behind. The problem with that is now, the whole point of bringing Darwin was Liverpool don't become one-dimensional. Now they, they, have, they can go in behind more. Now they can keep the ball. But now we're only playing in behind. And that's the problem. You can't do that when Darwin is not going to come. And you, I, like, I can watch the game and I can say at least 10 to 15 times in that game, Fabinho, uh, Henderson when he came on, James Milner when he played, Harvey Elliott, their own different wavelengths when it comes to the yeah. forwards. Because now there's nobody coming to. They think somebody's going to check too. They play the ball short. Crystal Palace takes it. Now you're on the counter. Yeah. And that's how they scored. A mistake somewhere. Fabinho overcommits, play the ball in behind. Nat Phillips is no chance to catch Zaha in the race. And he scores. So... That's the problem I have with now you're being only one. Now what you're trying to avoid, you became. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, though. Is it's not that they're becoming one-dimensional. It's that they have to play that way because they don't have Firmino on the field. You know what I mean? Like the benefit of Nunez and Firmino is if you have both of them healthy and Jota, if you have all three of them healthy, is you can play whichever way you want to play according to who's, who's mm -hmm. starting or if you want to have multiple uh, two of those guys on the field, yeah. which is difficult. But... The, the, it's like a good problem to have essentially because you're saying yeah. okay we can play like this or we can play like this yeah. the problem is Firmino's injured Jota's injured so now you only have Darwin Nunez so you're saying yes we probably have to be a little bit more direct now yeah and to it be fair the game again Liverpool had plenty of chances it's not mm -hmm. like we didn't have any chances I think yeah. you guys still did well what, what Liverpool does really well is they managed to build up the play to get it out to like for example to get it out wide to Salah and then they get guys in the box and then they, he cuts it back to Trent yeah. And then Trent plays across him. Mm -hmm. And you get so many opportunities from that. Yeah. They still did that. Yeah. Crystal Palace just defended with five. Yeah. And so they were just like, okay, well, eventually what's going to happen is Liverpool starts committing numbers forward when they do that. And then we, we have an opportunity for the counterattack. But yes, they have, to play they have to play differently because Darwin Nunez is not going to come in and get it to feet. Yeah. He's not strong enough to come in and get it to feet and but create. But you can change it up. It's not like... But it's a lot to change up, though. That's a big. That's a big tactic to go one week from one week to say this is how we're going to yeah. play to the next week. Now this is how I want how I want you to play. Yeah. To those guys who now you've been, because before you only had really you only had Firmino and yeah. Jota would be coming off the bench sometimes. Mm -hmm. You play a certain way. Yeah. And so players get used to that. So now you're telling Salah, okay, I don't want you guys to stay super wide anymore. Mm -hmm. Now I want you guys to be the ones that maybe pop into the space so that Nunez can go in behind. Yeah. But you can't just—it's yeah. not like a switch you can just flip yeah, on and Yeah, it's gonna off. take some time. And like, like, I'm I'm a big fan of Darren Nunes. There's a lot of there's a lot of people on Twitter after the game saying flop. He's not gonna do well. The guy's gonna score goals. It's clear as day he's gonna get 15 to 20 goals this year. Like I'm, I have no doubt that. He's well, he could have gotten more if he didn't get a red card. He could have gotten more because now he's out for five minutes. <laughs> but like, the guy's gonna get goals, mm -hmm. and he's a, like his runs are on point. So. With Trent, 
and everybody else getting back into swing of things, he's, he's going to get goals. From that game, I'm worried about, obviously, the injuries that we have. Chamberlain, out, long-term. Curtis Jones, out, long-term. Thiago, out, long-term. Firmino, out, long-term. Jota, out, long-term. Well, not long-term. Firmino might be back uh, for Manchester United. But all these guys are, like, key players. Yep. And now you're relying... On Harvey Elliott, James Milner, James Milner, yeah, to be which which James Milner is not a bad player. I I think he actually had a really good game. He's one of the better midfielders in that in that game. That yeah, he, but you don't want him on the field, really. No, they, when you have the players on the roster, that you do. Yeah, so that that's the that's the situation in Liverpool right now. We have like ten guys injured, key players that are injured. This and, is a this is a problem for Liverpool. So Jurgen Klopp needs to figure out what's yeah. going on because this is happening year after year. And uh, yeah, it's it's partly the fact that you just have guys who are no matter which team they're yeah. on, they're gonna Thiago. Yeah. You know your 50, 50, 50 chance that he's gonna get injured during a game yeah. or in training or something. So I don't last know. year, last year we were lucky. Two years ago we were. When was it? Two years ago we were not lucky because Van Dijk got hurt, and then like Nat Phillips and Reese Williams had to play. Like center backs, yeah, you, you guys. Know? So and that net again, Konate. We have think about Liverpool center backs: Van Dyke, Konate, Matip, Joe Gomez, and then Nat Phillips. Van Dyke obviously has to play. Konate out, Matip out. Joe Gomez gets hurt a day before, so he's not hundred percent, so he can't start him. So that's why he had to be on the bench. You had to bring in Nat Phillips. Yeah, you guys had a lot of changes this game. Yeah, a lot of changes. Firmino's out. You have no mm-hmm. options going forward. So there's like there's a lot of injury problems, and I think that's once people start coming back. Yeah, like I'm, I, I'm not wor- like right now. There's a lot of people that are worried about like, every I'm week. Not, you're not worried, George. I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried until we get to game, our eight or nine, and Liverpool ten points behind Manchester City or whoever's in first. That's when I, I'll be like, okay, there's a problem. Until then, it's right now we're four points behind. But here's the thing. That problem you can already identify early because of Manchester City. You know they're not going to drop points very often. So like you're like, eh, maybe Manchester City will drop some points and we'll yeah. catch back up. But if you have this bad of a start and Manchester City, like clockwork, not dropping any points, yeah. showing how good they are, you think if you're this early, it could happen. Like I, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. if Liverpool doesn't sort it out quickly... Mm-hmm. It could happen that Manchester City, again, like that one season, just runs away with it. All right, so how, if you're Jurgen Klopp right now, how do you solve it? You have all these injuries. Do you go into the transfer market? So he's, he went out in public and said, look, I have eight midfielders. I have eight of them that can be starting for most Premier League teams. If Listen, I go buy a midfielder right now, what, what, what do I solve? This is what you do if you're Jurgen Klopp. First of all, you fire your medical team. Get out. Go home. Go somewhere else. You find like a private investigator, right? You find a private investigator or somebody who's doing who does really well at statistics. And you have them find whichever medical team or whichever Premier League team has had the least amount of injuries in a span of over, let's say, five years. And you hire that medical team. We did hire a brand new medical assistant like boom two weeks ago or something like that. Statistics don't lie. You get the best medical team and you say, okay, there's a reason why these guys aren't getting injured and my guys are getting injured. But see, some of these injuries are not like... No, I know. I, again, some of these injuries are just, it's Thiago who's always yeah. going to get injured no matter where he's at. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but do you buy a midfielder or no? 
Well, you can't because you like you said, if yeah. they all start coming back, now you end up with ten midfielders. Yeah, so now and they're all you, yeah. So that's that's the problem that like it's it's, it's easy for people on Twitter to be like, oh yeah, buy buy this. I look, I want I want Liverpool to buy Jude Bellingham. I I've said this many times. If Liverpool can get him this year, Liverpool are gonna win the league. All right, let's relax. Liverpool, Liverpool are going to win the league Liverpool regardless. have lost the league already, no, Joe. They have not lost the league. They've this lost not, the league. Manchester City no, has essentially no, won the league in the no, first two games of the season. Not even close. Not even close. Look, I'll tell you what. You, you'll see. Liverpool are going to come back. Everything's going to be fine. But I'm worried. I, I told you this. I sent you both interviews. Whatever happened in that week leading up to the game, Jurgen Klopp mentioned it. He said something. It was a terrible week. So there was like a witch at the training ground or something yeah. in, the, in the facilities. And then James Miller said, after the week we just had, like this, like this is something good, happened. Something pretty big happened. Yeah. So, and Jurgen Club is usually like, even when the game, like when it doesn't go there, Liverpool's way, and like he still smiles and like being sarcastic. His interview was just. What do you think serious. it is? Do you I, think it's like injuries that happened, or do you think it's like something off the off the pitch that happened to the team that? The reason why I don't think it's something off the pitch to the team is because James Miller said the spirit is really high within the group. And Jurgen Klopp, before the season started, said the spirits are high. Like, this is one of the best, like, chemistry, whatever. So I don't know if if it's something players-related that happened on the field and maybe a fight or something. I don't think that's it. Injuries is most likely it, but you don't say that. You, you just come on and say, look, we had three or four guys just drop out this right. week. Like, that's how you would have phrased it. Now, it's like he wanted to say that. He wanted to say, like, hey, look, something's actually happened to us, but he didn't want to, like, give say, too many details and yeah. say that this is an and, excuse for us or and whatever. And if, if only if, James, in a, if only Jurgen Klopp would have said that, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But then James Milner comes out and says the same exact thing or yeah. similar. Something happened. Something happened behind the scenes. I don't, like, is it, do you, it, it could be owners are not giving Liverpool money that, I mean, that's not really behind the scenes, though. That's right. not something that's, like, James Miller is going to talk about. So, I don't, I don't know what it could be, but something was off, and I can just sense in, in like, Jurgen Klopp's, like, like, pre-match conference the day before, he was just, like, yeah, just, like, not happy. He was just, like, whatever. Regardless, Liverpool, don't know what you got till it's gone. Your boy, Sadio Mane. Yeah, I mean, do you me Do wrong. you tie those first two games with him on the field? Yeah, you still tie. George, George. Look, look. This is the problem. Look, George. Luis Diaz. Admit, admit that that guy is a huge loss. No, huge. I told you before. I would have picked Salah to go over Mane. That was I. Mane was my guy, but something's off, and it's in the midfield. It's not Mane. I think it's Mane. I think something could be off. Whatever it is. What one injuries? I think you still win with Mane on the field. No, I mean, Luis Diaz, look, Luis Diaz or Mane. What a goal. Let's talk about that goal. Oh, my. Don't, don't, don't talk. It's not like a Koulibaly goal. Oh, All right, my. let's relax. Okay. It's no, not like that, okay. like no, that no, counterattack. No, no, no. Did you say I, counterattack goal on Manchester United? Listen, listen. Well, yeah, Luis Diaz goal is better than Koulibaly's goal. Luis Diaz on top of the box dribbles past three, four players. Relax. Tight he dribbled knit, past like one guy. But tight knit in and around those guys. Took a couple then, fancy little touches and to set scores. himself up for a shot. And scores. Okay. Koulibaly wide open inside the box. Where, what was Spurs marking? I mean, but come There's on. There's no marking. The slow, like, if you manage to capture a slow motion shot of that, it looks so nice. I wish we could, Out like, of the air, boom. I wish we can put those two goals and compare. You see a lot of goals like Luis Diaz goals. Goal. Well, yeah, you don't see the cool ball goal because everybody's defending. On the corner, nobody. It was a good goal. It was a good goal. It wasn't anything super special. It was like a moment of brilliance. It was a moment of brilliance from one of the players. Goal of the week, easy. 
I'm, I'm actually, no. I'm intrigued now. I'm going to look it Brentford's up. Brentford's goal, the Brentford counterattack goal was goal of the week. Yeah. Koulibaly would have been second place. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No. I mean, you could say Gabriel Jesus' goal was better than Luis Diaz's goal. Gabriel, yeah, Gabriel Jesus was not. I'm, I'm, I just named three goals no. off the top of my head who were probably better than that goal. No. It was a good goal. Relax. World Relax. Class. It's not that Anyway, great. Luis Diaz, what a guy. That's what I got to say. Relax. First half, I wasn't. I, okay, back to the game. There's two things I wasn't happy. Something is off of Robertson. Like, he's not. He, he's not attacking. Excuses. I don't want these no, excuses, no. George. He, he wasn't attacking. I'm talking about this game specifically. He wasn't attacking. And Luis Diaz, I have no idea. Why you have Nathaniel Klein on you and you're not going direct, attacking him one on one every single time? So those are the two things in the first half that I was like, whatever. You but guys need to sort I, it out. Sort I'm it not, out. I'm not worried. Players gonna come back. Who we'll wins? talk. We'll talk next week when you start getting a little more worried. Because listen, Liverpool, Manchester United Monday, and Manchester United relegation battle. <laughs> this is where we're gonna see if you're gonna be really worried. Because if they draw against Manchester United, if they don't beat Manchester United, you're worried. You're very worried. Depends. I don't know. We'll I will see. say this. Bold prediction. My take, unlike Georgia, so this is not my take. Okay. This is my take. Liverpool don't beat Manchester United. Title gone. Title hopes gone. Are Liverpool this early. top four? This early. If they oh, lose I don't, they, they'll probably Yeah, they'll still be top four. I'm just saying, at the end of the season, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, that bad but, start. I, I mean, you can look at that any game I don't, at, at the season. But... Uh, that's a, this is a bold prediction, though, because this is three games in, and I'm telling you that if they don't beat Manchester United, they're, they're done. Okay, but, okay, see, you're saying they're not going to win the league. Exactly. Okay, but they're not done. They're not going to be out of the... Okay, this is what's going to happen. Liverpool, if they draw or lose that game, everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, it's over, Liverpool's done. Then Liverpool somehow are going to come back, just like last year, with 14 points behind Manchester City. We're going to come back, and it's going to be a tight... Race somehow. Manchester and who's going to win? Gonna and who's going to win at the end? Manchester City. I still, I still. Regardless, if they slip a couple Manchester games. Manchester City finishing third, best. Manchester City finishing third, best. I told you this two, you two podcasts ago. You have lost it. Manchester yeah, two City. podcasts ago, and Manchester City have convincingly won their first two games yeah. of the season. It's it's early on, early days. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said it was a bold prediction. Early days. I think kiss your title hopes goodbye if they don't beat Manchester United. It's four points. We're four points behind top. Right now. There's only, well, how many teams have six points? Man City and Arsenal, that's it. Yeah, third place, a few teams Liverpool's in 12th. That's it's not a big deal. Manchester United's in last Listen, place. Listen, I told you, I'm going to be worried when it's seven or eight games in and Liverpool are far off, and then I'll be like, okay, something's uh, off. Man. I told you it was a bold prediction. You'll see. We'll see. We'll find out. I, I, that's why I said if they don't beat Manchester United. Now, but you're saying they're, they're, okay, there's a difference between they're out and they're not going to win. I'm saying they're, 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 they can kiss their title hopes goodbye. So you're saying they're be, not going to win. They're not going to win the Premier League. That, but you're, they can still be in it. I mean, if you will still be top three or whatever. Yeah, like I said. But like you can still be like but I'm t- within I'm, the title within like three to five points. You're all, still I'm saying, all I'm saying is that pre- uh, Manchester City will run away with it if, Man- if Liverpool does not beat Manchester United. Okay. Manchester or United. Arsenal. Com- the way we're playing, uh, the way I mean, we're yeah, playing, it's, it's it's early. We're we're like we have our predictions, but it's still very early, and the transfer window still yet to close. So a lot can happen. Yep. But okay, I didn't watch the Manchester City game. They, 
I Cyrus messaged me as I was watching. I decided to watch Arsenal Lester because yeah. more entertaining. I had them on uh, both screens, but I was checking in periodically. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It was literally the commentators. I was checking in. The commentators were like, "Oh, Manchester City's going to score at some point. Yeah. They're going to score at some point. Oh, they scored. Yeah, yeah Cyrus, they scored Cyrus was like, "Manchester City look dangerous. Like this is yep. putting on a show." That's fine. I could not. It is what it is. They won the game. Easy. Now, Holland. Do you know how many? I, I checked it after the game. I wanted to see how Holland was doing because we have this comparison every week on podcast. The guy, from what, what I remember, he had five passes the whole entire game. Five passes. Mm-hmm. He had one chance. That okay. is something that, okay. What does it matter? It, what I'm, okay, back to my point, what I was saying. I, I don't know if those are the exact stats, by the way, but something of the story. Maybe the game wasn't over when I looked at it. But that's exactly what I was talking about when I was saying, when we were comparing Nunes to Holland, which is a better signing for which team? It doesn't matter. It does, because Holland does now. Who's suit, got more goals? One goal more. And, and who and stayed and on the who stayed and, on the field? And who Nunes, stayed on the field? Nunes played like. Do you know Nunes has played? It doesn't matter though. Like seventy minutes overall in the Premier League, and Listen, he has one goal, one assist. When you can win four nil, was it four nil that they won? Yeah. When you can win four nil, it doesn't matter if your main striker only had one opportunity and only five passes, because they're gonna take that four nil win every next yeah, week. Yeah, of next course. week, and this is a week to week thing. Because last week, how many goals did he score? Two. Two one goals. Off a PK. It doesn't matter. He scored two goals. Next week, he'll score two or three. Or he might not score any, but then the week after that, he'll yeah. score two or three. Look, I'm not sa- what I was saying is we're comparing the individual players yeah. and how they fit in at those teams better. At, Liv- at Liverpool, Nunes fits is a better fit than Holland is a city. That was my whole entire point. Not right now. Yeah, Clearly. He is. Well, he doesn't fit at all because he's, got, he's well, banned for well, three or four games. Like, okay, that's the right card. But you, just, you also just said mm-hmm. that now they've become one-dimensional thanks yeah, to no, Darwin. When he's on the field. When he's on the field... So moment. how does that not translate to him not being no. as good of a fit no, no, as no. Erling Haaland? Because he's still getting chances. I'm just annoyed at how Liverpool, when like there needs to be, and it <sighs> will, and New York Cup is going to figure it out. But what I'm trying to tell you is, when, in the, okay, my, my pick, when we talked about this, Nunes is a better fit at Liverpool than Haaland is at City. Is Haaland still an amazing player? Of course he is. But the way Man City play, and I told you this last week, the way Man City play is pass, 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 pass. Is he still going to get goals inside the box? Yes, he will. But he's the style. The, the second West Ham goal the, uh, when he played against West Ham, that's what It doesn't matter. Wants. It that's, doesn't matter. It does, though. If you're telling me he's still going to get goals, that's literally the whole reason why you buy him. It's not yeah. about the style of play. Like The style of play is get, gets you to the end product, which is the goals yeah. and the statistics. What I'm saying, he's, he's, he's not going to be the best version of himself. doesn't matter because they're going to win the Premier League and they have a better chance third, of winning the Champions third place, League. Third, Listen, place, third place. I'm going to see how long you keep up with this argument about him not being as good of a fit as Darwin Nunez because I guarantee it's going to last two, three weeks max before you're like, okay, I've... I'm gonna to have to change my position. The only way I change my position is if, if Pep, changes the way he plays, and Pep does not change the way he plays. Is, because is, he wins. Is, because he wins, George. Listen, give me one billion to spend on transfers oh, in five years. That. Don't give me oh, that. Don't go, give me oh, that. Oh come on, that's obvious. Don't give me that. That's the game, though. You can't say that. Nah. That's the that's the you game. Put, you, you, can't put, say that. you put Pep at Arsenal, no chance. No chance. You put Pep at. I don't know. Pep doesn't need to go to Arsenal. Pep yeah. can stay at Manchester City. Yeah, he can stay Hypothetical there. Hypothetical situations. You put Klopp at Arsenal. 
Klopp will do well. Klopp will do the same exact thing he did at Liverpool. No, let's relax. He he would. He it doesn't would. matter because at the end of the day, those are hypothetical situations, and you're trying to like handicap Pep. I am. Of course, if you're if you're a good coach, you're gonna want to be as successful as possible. And how do you do that? By getting the best players to fit the playing style that you want, which you feel is good enough or better than everybody else's, and you're gonna win. Okay, let's compare this. Who's when you're talking about Liverpool, Manchester City? Who has more pressure not to win? Manchester City. Manchester City. Of because course. they're spending billions. Of course. When you look at Liverpool's net spend on transfers. Doesn't matter. They spent 10 million this year. Who cares what the pressure is? At the end of the year, people care about who wins. Yeah, that's true. And Manchester City wins more than Liverpool wins. Mm, I mean, not yes. Champions League, but yes. yeah. Okay, one Champions League, George. Well, well, listen, we've got the two finals and one one. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many finals you get to, George. It, it, That's the it, whole point. No, it does That's matter. That's what I'm telling you. Style of play, all that. Yes, does it matter? It matters in relation to what you get at the end of it, which is the results. You can have a fantastic style of play, and if you somehow, for whatever reason, can't beat teams, people are going to say yeah. you need to change that style of play. It doesn't matter if Holland doesn't fit the style of play. If yeah. at the end of the day they're winning four 0 with him on the field, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, if they're winning, they're winning. That's fine. But I was purely speaking about the two individual players. Still doesn't matter how they fit. Listen, my prediction stands: Manchester right. City finished third. Okay, and that's it. That's the the okay. The best they're gonna finish is third. Yeah. Um, and then Liverpool in the league. No. And Nunes is next week. Better. That prediction done. So, how many goals is Nunes scoring this year? I think he'll score like 15. 15 goals? 15, 16, somewhere around there. You don't think he's scoring more than... More 15, than... 16 puts him, what, at like fourth, fifth place, somewhere around there? Hey, I mean, last year, Salah, I think Salah and his son, they finished like 20 21. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think Holland gets, what I say? You said 30. 30? I don't, there's, I don't see Holland getting 30. All right, well, we'll find out. Well, maybe they We get, will find out maybe, in the next episode. Maybe, maybe if they get 10... 20 penalties. Watch him score a hat season. trick next game. Listen, watch him score a hat trick next game. Also, the referee. Man, that's a don't. All right, don't even don't even say referee in Re- regards to Liverpool. referees in Manchester City. That's that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna. We're say. gonna end the podcast because Georgie, as usual, per every single episode, he loses the plot, and it's not gonna be very long before you have to you have to just like the referees, you're gonna have to put a public statement out there no. saying, "I'm sorry, I apologize, I got it wrong, I'm changing no. it." Manchester City finishing third. And Nunes comes back a lot better after his ban. How many ban- how many games is he gonna get banned? I don't know the rules officially, but miss uh, violent conduct is like three or four games or something like that, right? It better Minimum. not be more than five. It shouldn't be. It wasn't that bad. They need to relax a little bit. Fake headbutts don't. Sh- fake headbutts <laughs> shouldn't be five games. All right. All right. We're gonna end it there. Anything else you got, George? Uh, I don't know. Liverpool, Man United, Monday. It's a right. big one. We'll be back in the next episode. Oh wait, wait, wait. Who wins that game? Make your prediction right now. Liverpool, it's a Old Trafford. Draw. Yeah, I can There's going to be goals. We don't have a strike. Draw. <laughs> <We're> Draw. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out who's right. What are, you, what are your predictions? Liverpool win. How much? It's going to be close because it's just a right. derby. One or two goals. One or two goals, yeah. Draw. We don't have a striker, so I don't know who's going to score. Don't, don't, don't make excuses. You said Liverpool's going to win. Liverpool's, Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool's right. going to win. Right. But we have 20 people injured, man. Right, you know, here we go. Excuses this guy. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you for uh, staying all the way till the end. Appreciate it.